Welcome to Crossroads Church in Rowlett. We're so glad you're here. Join us here for our weekly sermons or visit crossroadsrowlett.org for more information. All right, we're going to jump right in. As already been said, uh, my name is Shane and this is my beautiful wife, Casey. She is definitely the much cooler Pruitt for sure. And uh, we did not intend to dress alike. I got dressed first. You yeah. copied me. So, we, in fact, we even drove separately here because of checking kids in and getting ready for this. And so, uh, but the spirit led and we were together. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, fear and worry and continuing on in a breakthrough series. And our prayer is that you would be reminded today of who our great God is and that we would experience breakthrough over fear and worry. I think when we think of what is fear, um, the definition comes from the Oxford Dictionary. It says, fear is the unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. And so we're going to talk about how to have a biblical view of this and to be reminded of who our great God is. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, go ahead and get your Bibles ready. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture um, Casey and I really bade this whole message in Scripture because we don't want you to think this is our opinion. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what our opinion is. All that matters is what God's truth says. Um, and then if you have the bulletin that you received on the way in, if you'll get that out, we put our message outline in there and uh, places where you can fill that out. We pray that would be a help to you in the days, weeks, months, years to come. All right, so when we think of fear and worry, this is probably something we all struggle with is that we almost fear everything. In fact, in school, we were told we have nothing to fear but what? Fear itself. And you're like, yeah, I, I got that. I got fear. And so I fear fear. And we look at everything and go, man, I, I fear possibly another pandemic. I fear inflation. I fear the stock market. I fear interest rates. I fear losing my job. Uh, I fear my kids doing something stupid. Anybody fear that? Uh, I fear the loss of a loved one. And now we're being told by the government and former military that now there's UFOs and we got to fear UFOs and just everything to fear. In fact, did you realize there's hundreds upon hundreds of diagnosed phobias? In fact, I'm going to read the top four common phobias. And just be honest, if this applies to you, just go ahead and raise your hand, all right? Number one fear, glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. Anybody have that? All right, we're, we're working through that one now, all right, in real time. Uh, acropho uh, acrophobia is the fear of heights. Anybody fear heights? All right. Uh, claustrophobia, the fear of tight spaces or being entrapped. That's this one here. All I just right, start like, karate chopping. Yeah, she does. Like, if you were to hug her and not let her go or you put a blanket over her head, she will lose her testimony. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, ophidiophobia, fear of snakes. That's me. All right, listen. If it's bigger than a worm, it's a cobra, all right? All right, and then there's even some, what we would maybe consider silly phobias. Uh, ablutophobia is the fear of bathing. I think every middle school boy suffers from that one, all right? Listen, Axe body spray does not count as a shower. That's in the Bible, all right? No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, calophobia is the fear of clowns. Anybody fear of clowns? All right. Uh, phobia phobia is the fear of phobias. And then there's Super Bowl of phobia, the fear of being in the Super Bowl. The Dallas Cowboys suffer from that recently. <laughs> I'm 
the Lord's team. I'm just saying. I'm not, no, all right, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, so we ask, is all fear bad? Is all fear bad? Did you realize there's actually a biblical fear that's good? I want you to write this in your notes and you fill in the blanks here. We should all have a healthy fear of the Lord. That we should all have a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, worldly fear says everything's out to get you. Be afraid of everything. It will cause pain and hurt you. Biblical fear is not that. Biblical fear is really this awe and awareness of how big, amazing, and powerful our great God is. And a biblical fear of all of who God is will drive us to worship. In fact, a healthy biblical fear of the Lord will help dispel unhealthy worldly fears of other things. Meaning this, if you have a big view of God, you will tend to have a big faith. And big faith will dispel fear and worry. If you have a small view of God, you will tend to have a small faith. And a small faith really can't do anything to fear and worry. And so in setting the foundation of this message, um, I wanted to remind us of who God is. So we're going to look at some doctrine and theology real quick this morning. Is everybody okay with that? And here is a basic tenet of really theology 101. And it's a reminder of who God is. And Bible scholars call it the four omnis of God. The word omni literally means all. So here is really the basics of the theology of who God is in his characteristics. Number one, God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. It means God is everywhere. Uh, David in Psalm 139 verses 7 and 8, he said this, Where can I escape your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I go all the way up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and she hold the depth, you are there. Basically, God is everywhere. How many of you go, man, when I'm at crossroads or the building here, I feel the presence of the Lord. Can anybody say that? I feel the presence of the Lord. I want you to know there's not just a special God that resides in this building. The same God that is here is the same God with you at home. It's the same God with you at your job. It's the same God with you at school. It's the same God with you when you're stuck in traffic, all right? That he is God who is everywhere. So I want to encourage you with this. There's no reason to run from God. That didn't work out well for Jonah, did it? There's no reason to run from God. Think about it. If God's everywhere and God's here and you're trying to run from God, guess what? God is already there waiting for you wherever you're running to. And as you're running, guess what? God is there as you're running away. So there's no reason to run. Just surrender and rest in the truth of who God is. And stop trying to run from the Lord. He is everywhere. Number two, God is omniscient. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. That means God is all-knowing. God knows everything. God is never learning. God is always knowing. Um, 1 John 3.20. I love 1 John 3.20. I think it's such a relevant verse. Listen to what... It says in 1 John 3.20, it says, Whenever our hearts condemn us. Now, in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word for heart is the word cardia. It's where we get the term cardiologist from. A cardiologist is a what? A heart doctor. It literally, in the Greek, the word heart means the center of our emotions, our feelings, our desires. See, culture says to what? Follow your 
heart. And what is culture saying in that? Follow your feelings, follow your emotions, follow your desires. How many of you agree if you were to follow your feelings and your emotions, you would follow them right into a ditch? Would anybody agree with that? So listen, we don't follow our heart because often our heart condemns us. Often we're going to feel attacked by our own heart, by our own emotions, our own feelings, our own desires. It says whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. See, at the end of the day, we don't follow our heart because our heart doesn't know everything. We're to follow the Lord. He knows everything. And it's sometimes we'll even give each other advice like that. Well, what's your gut telling you? Trust your gut. What's your gut telling you? And you may go, well, my gut's telling me I had some bad tacos last night, right? Can't trust it. No, no, no. We trust the Lord. He is all-knowing. Number three, real quick, he is omnipotent. God is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says this about himself. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are what? Possible. What I mean by that? Aren't you thankful? We do not worship some weak God off in the distance. We worship an all-powerful God who is up close and personal. Anybody happy about that? He is an all-powerful God, and so we trust in him. At the end of the day, we have nothing to fear because our heavenly father is the most powerful one of all, and he is for us. And then number four, real quick, he is omnibenevolent, meaning he is all-loving. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. To know this, God loves you perfectly. Think about this, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, and there's nothing more valuable than that. God has placed extreme value on your life, that God loves you so much that he sent his best for you, his son Jesus. And God has placed extreme value on you. So you know what that means? He's not going to leave you to drown. He's not going to leave you to drown. You are not designed to go through this world by yourself. There's a God who loves you and bought you with the blood of a son. There's nothing more valuable than that. So in light of that, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry. And yet, we still do, don't we, Casey? So Casey, why don't you talk about what are some causes of fear and worry? Yeah, so before I start, I just want to be completely transparent and honest. Fear and worry is something that I've struggled with for many years. Our son that um, Jason mentioned was adopted from Uganda, Africa, 10 years ago. And he, um, we've shared before, had significant special needs. And um, it was, a, for the first year, a lot of worrying and fear of what would be. Um, so I've had a 10-year-long journey <laughs> of learning about fear, worry, and anxiety. And within the last month, a super lesson <laughs> and fear and anxiety by Titus going home to be with Jesus about a month ago. Um, but one of the main things I think that causes fear for us is fear of the unknown, right? The what-ifs, what's going to happen, what's coming, um, What's in our future? I think our, our culture right now, if I could pinpoint one single thing, there's a lot of things, but a one single thing that we struggle with in culture right now is fear, worry, and anxiety, right? I think one of the main components of that is all of our news stations. Um, if you get on, I don't know, any normal news stations or Fox News or um, CNN, for one, why? Um, it will rot your brain out. But another, it just, it's meant to cause fear, 
right? It's meant to cause fear of people that think differently than you, believe differently than you. Um, our political system right now within America, I think, is bred solely on fear. And as believers, we sometimes can let that infiltrate us on what does this going to mean? Um, our Christian nation is really struggling. I think we need to probably take a step back sometimes and think about um, the reality of the history of our nation and if we have ever really been based on Christian values. When it comes to being fearful of what our culture is now, a lot of times we'll be like, oh, the good old days or when we had Christian values. But did we? Um, a lot of times, the time in which we say uh, were the good days or we had Christian values, my kids that don't look like me couldn't have been in my family. They couldn't have gone to school together. Um, and we, a lot of times, we rewrite history in our minds to think we had good old days at some point or we are a Christian nation at some point, but the reality is, like, we live in a fallen world. And when we place, we kind of rewrite history, we put this fear of the unknown of what's going, our country is turning into. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, we're doing it well right now. I'm just saying, like, uh, we write, rewrite history to fear the future because we think our past was something different than it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it can be a really big struggle. Um, I love the verse, Matthew 6, 27 and 28. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And this was one of the things that I really struggled with with Titus. I would worry about what could be um, when he first came home. Are we going to need a wheelchair? Is he going to go to school? How... How are you even going to drive with a wheelchair? I did drive a 15-passenger van up until about a month ago. So that, the Lord answered that. But it was a lot of worry. And I think when we spend our time worrying about what could be, we lose the joy in the moment of what is. And I know for the whole first season of Titus's life, I missed a whole lot of joy and happiness because I was worrying about what could be. And the reality is some of the things I worried about what could be did not happen A lot of joy happened, but also other things happened that I didn't even know to worry about. And so I think when we worry, we just waste time in the present. I think one other thing we can fear is for our kids. Anybody in here fear for your kids sometime? (laughs) Yeah, um, it's definitely something um, that we as parents struggle with. But I just want to encourage you that our kids are in this time and season in the world for a reason. It was on purpose for a purpose. I love the story of Esther where she was going to be called to save her people, but she had to go before the king to try to save her people. But at that time, you couldn't go before the king unless you were summoned to go before the king. So she knew if she went before the king that she would most likely die. But her uncle Mordecai told her, like, Esther, you're made for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And that's true for our kids too. I know for me, when I worry about all the things, little things like, are they going to make the volleyball team too? Um, how are they going to do at school? Are they being bullied? Are they being made fun of? All these things. Like, I can trust that God has my kids here for a reason, for a purpose, on purpose. And, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you that, encourage you in that, that worrying about the future really doesn't benefit us at all. But we also can worry about what we do know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Casey is sharing like 
the fear of the unknown. Uh, there's also next the fear of the known. Uh, the great theologians, G.I. Joe, <laughs> said it like this. Knowing is what? Half the battle. And you're like, no, it's me knowing that's causing fear. It's causing worry. Like, we know the world is broken. Uh, we know we're broken. Uh, we know our own struggles. We know our own doubts. We know our own fears. We know our own failures. We know our own circumstances. We know our own difficulties. Uh, we know that our kids aren't acting right, or we know that maybe they're away from the Lord, or we know that about our spouse, or we know that about our parents. And you're like, well, it's the things I do know that's causing all this. Well, even in that, we still trust the Lord. We still trust the Lord and know that God is with us and that our worrying doesn't help anything. In fact, Psalm 16, I love Psalms. The collection of Psalms has been such a help to me in these last couple of months because I love the Psalms because David and the other writer of the Psalms, in a sense, can we be honest, like reading the Psalms, it almost feels like those guys are like bipolar. Would you agree with that? Because it's like one Psalm is like, God, you are with me. My cup overflows. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, you're with me. Like everything goes this way. God, you are amazing. And then the very next Psalm is like, God, where are you? I'm so empty. My enemies encompass me. Kill me now. And you know what that is? That's life. Like, like, right? Like things can change with a phone call. Um, things change all the time. And so that's life. But when the constant theme through Psalms is the Lord is there. And so I love Psalm 16. I'm going to read verses 11 or 5 through 11 to you. I've read Psalm 16 literally probably 50 times in the last couple months. But here's what David says in Psalm 16. He says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. I love that. Listen, friends, we may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. So we trust in him. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance, meaning we have nothing to worry about. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night when my, th when my thoughts trouble me. Anybody have thoughts that trouble them at night? Anybody have thoughts that trouble them in the morning? Anybody have thoughts that trouble them all day? <laughs> Even then, he says, I will always let the Lord guide me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. If you think about it, like God's gift to you is peace and joy. And worry and fear rob those things. And I think we do it to ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. Is that I'm not talking about clinical depression or clinical anxiety or clinical worry. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I'm talking about your everyday stress, your everyday worry, your everyday fears. A lot of that is because we're trying to be control freaks. And so I want you to write that down. We have to stop being control freaks. A lot of that we bring upon ourselves. In fact, would you turn to your neighbor one last time? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor one last time. I want you to look them in the face. All right, I want you to smile. And as kindly as you can, tell them this. Stop being a control freak. Tell them that. 
All right, now some of you, especially the spouses, that felt way too good. You're like, I've been waiting to say that. Anybody suffer from trying to be a control freak, right? A lot of it we bring on ourselves. The reason we're stressed is we want to control it. The reason we fear and worry is because we want to control the outcome or we want to control the situation. And we know we can't, so that brings fear and worry and stress. Because when we're trying to control things, we're doing a job above our pay grade. See, it's not your job to be in control. That's God's job. At the end of the day, our only job is to trust God to do his job. And guess what? He's very good at his job. It's not our job to be in control. It's kind of like this. All right, um, right here I have a quarter. All right, 25 cents a quarter. If I was to measure this quarter, this quarter is less than an inch wide. But I could take this quarter that's less than an inch wide, and I could take it outside on a beautiful sunny day. Now, the sun, S-U-N, is over 800,000 miles wide. But I could take this quarter that's less than an inch wide, place it between my eye and the sun, S-U-N, and I can focus on this quarter so much that I completely block out the sun, S-U-N, even though the sun, S-U-N, is a lot bigger and more powerful than this quarter. You know, I think we do the same thing with our worries, with our fears, with our circumstances, with our difficulties. Anybody going through a difficult time right now, just be honest, all right? Anybody just come out of a difficult time? You know, my pastor, used, or my old pastor used to say this, you're either in the middle of a difficult season or you just came out of a difficult season, or buckle your chin strap because you're about to go through a difficult season. That's called life. Jesus does not promise us an easy life. He promises us eternal life. Jesus doesn't even promise to keep us out of difficult circumstances. He just promises that he's with us in the difficult circumstances. So we all have difficulty. We all have fears and worries. And we all go through difficult seasons. But listen, friends, I think sometimes we focus so much on our difficulties, on our circumstances, and it drives fear and it drives worry. And we focus on those things so much that we completely block out the Son, S-O-N, the Son of God, even though the Son of God is bigger, more powerful than our difficulties and circumstances. Listen, friends, we're always telling God how big our circumstances are and how big our fears are, and how big our worries are. Maybe it's time we start telling our circumstances and our fears and our worries how big our God is, and to start trusting in Him. It's not our job to be in control. It's just our job to trust God to be in control, and He's very good at, our, at His job. So, Casey, in that, what are some other solutions to fear and worry? So, I think the main uh, solution is we actually have to know Jesus. Yeah. I don't mean come to church or participate in worship services or even serve at church or even go on mission trips, anything like that. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have to repent of our sin and put our faith in him. Um, to be quite honest, I was nervous to come and yeah. I was fearful to come share about fear <laughs> um, because the last time that I was on this stage was at our son's uh, homegoing service, his celebration yeah. of life service about a month ago. My heart's beating really fast. <laughs> and so to come back up here was very um, daunting for mm -hmm. me for sure. 
Um, but I had to come and share about how good and kind Jesus has been to us in the last month. Um, we can't build our walk with Jesus on a church, a pastor, production, or comfort. It won't withstand when we're going through weird worry or doubt or fear or anxiety. Do you know Jesus? Because knowing Jesus is the only way we can combat fear and worry because he is peace. Mm -hmm. If we don't know Jesus, we can't have peace. The Bible says over and over and over again that Jesus is peace. So without Jesus, we can't have peace. Yeah. Um, worry will rule our life. Um, through the last month or so, I have spent a lot of time in the Bible trying to find verses about peace. Um, about hope and how to combat fear and worry. And I'm going to read a few to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. John 14, 27. I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It goes right along with the second song we sing today. Now may the Lord of peace himself, I love that part because it's the Lord of peace himself, making it very clear that Jesus is peace. Amen. Yeah. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you a peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And I'm probably going to cry, so just be ready. Um, over the last month, I, Titus, our son, was on hospice for 10 days at home. And during those 10 days, I spent a lot of time being fearful and worrying about what his last moments would be, how our other kids would respond, how we would respond, all of those things. And um, I spent a lot of time in God's word and in the Bible searching for scriptures about peace because if you're a parent, you know that losing your child is the worst possible outcome in life that life could throw at you. And watching him for 10 days, not knowing, knowing it was going to end, but not knowing how it was going to end was all consuming for us. But I just want to tell you, in the darkest, most torturous 10 days of our life, God was kind he was good. He is good. He is faithful. He is peace. He is life. And without knowing Jesus, without the presence of the Holy Spirit in my son's room as he took his last breath, there would be no peace. Mm -hmm. I have peace because I know Jesus, and I know that Titus is much better off today than I am. The sadness is for me and for us, not for Titus. He's probably like, dabbing up in heaven or something right now in his Jordans doing or something, the doing the yeah. gritty in his Jordans. I'm not real sure. Yeah. But the sadness is not for him. But I just want to encourage you today, like whatever you're going through, whether you're worrying about a job or one of your kids or your marriage or whatever your fear and worry is, like Jesus is enough. He is our peace. He is what can provide you peace in the darkest of circumstances. Um, we have people ask us all the time, like, you know, how are you feeling? <laughs> awful. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> awful. But it's been um, also 
we say it now, our son Elliot is now sleeping in Titus's room, but still, I feel like when you yeah. walk in that room, still, it is a place of peace. Mm -hmm. And Jesus met us in that room in a way that I can't really describe to words, and he can meet you in the whatever room of worry or mm -hmm. hardship or fear that you're going through. Jesus is not leaving or you or forsake you. Like, he is enough, and that's the only way. Like, having a true relationship with Jesus is the only way we can have peace in the midst of any fear, worry, or struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then the last thing we want to talk about is to be proactive, not reactive. I think a lot of times we wait for something that difficult to happen and then go, we hope we, we react the right way. If you've ever read the book of Job, um, in chapter 1, Job loses everything. His, his possessions, his wealth, his kids. And then what comes out of Job? worship. And we always talk about that, but one thing we pass over is at the beginning of Job, it talks about Job being a righteous man and how he would go and make sacrifices and offerings and pray and worship daily. So Job, his posture, his lifestyle was that of worshiping the Lord. So when all hell broke loose, guess what he did? He worshiped the Lord because that was the posture already of his lifestyle. And you go, man, when I go through difficult things, I want to respond in the right way. I want to respond with faith instead of fear. I want to respond with worship instead of worry. Well, let that be the posture of your lifestyle. Um, that we don't run from the Lord, we run to the Lord. Because that's how we, like, we're with the Lord and we worship the Lord every day already. We're spending time with Him in His Word and prayer. We're in a community of believers. That's why I love this church. We're in small group. People know us. They're running this race with us. Um, when that is the posture of our lifestyle, then that's what's going to naturally and supernaturally come out of us when we go through difficult things. Faith instead of worry. Worship instead of worry. Faith instead of fear. Because those are the things we're already doing. Number two, consume the right things. Consume the right things. Now, Casey and I built the template and the outline of this message together, but we kind of nuanced it in our own time between us and the Lord. So I didn't really know that she was going to have this in her notes. I already had this in my notes, so I think it was the Holy Spirit <laughs> speaking something to us. But consuming the right things. Let's talk about this practically. We address this practically. We had so many people after the first service come and, and talk to me of going, that's me, that's me. A lot of times we go, man, I don't know why I feel so angry or I don't know why I feel so fearful or feel so anxious. And a lot of times it's consuming things that are literally designed to do that. I don't know if you've known this or not, but did you know we're coming around on an election year? Did you know that? <laughs> what I mean by that is if I be honest, some Christians are being more discipled by MSNBC, NPR, CNN and Fox News more than they are the good news. Literally, we're consuming hours of that stuff and spending no time in God's Word. And we're allowing those things to dictate how we view things and view people rather than God's Word. And we go, did you realize those things are intentionally designed to make you angry? They're intentionally designed to make you fearful and worry. They're intentionally designed for you to view people in a different way. Like, have you ever noticed, like, if you're listening to something that has a certain point of view, they don't really talk well of people that don't have that point of view. They don't make you assume the best. They make you assume the worst. They don't make you, no one goes, well, you know, the political party we don't agree with, they had a good day today. You know, they, 
they, they you know, introduce some things, and man, this is going to be super helpful. You never hear that. And so if you're consuming things that are designed to make you angry and worry and fearful, guess what? That's what's going to come out of you. And here's the deal. I'm preaching to myself because I love that kind of stuff. I get into it. You know, true story. Casey will know if I'm listening to a lot of that stuff. It must just like ooze out of my pores or something. It's just you're a like, stench. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're listening to those podcasts again, aren't like, you? Turn Literally. it off. Turn like, it off. No. You know, like just feeling convicted. And so here's the deal. Should we be informed? Yes. But everything should be seen through a biblical worldview. Here's what I mean by that. At the end of the day, should we vote? Yes. Should we vote with our conscience and conviction? Yes. Should we be involved in things that make a difference in our community and in our nation? Yes. But at the end of the day, aren't you glad that it doesn't matter who the president is? Because Jesus is king. And he's the king of all kings. And I love what the great preacher S.M. Lockridge said. He said, Jesus is king, and you can't impeach him, and he ain't going to resign, and you didn't vote him into office, and you can't vote him out of office. He is king. And our job is to represent King Jesus. We live for a different kingdom. We're here to represent the kingdom of God. And so I also love what Dr. Tony Evans said. Listen, Dr. Tony Evans said, when Jesus came, he did not came, come to take sides. He came to take over. It's about his kingdom. And he is king. And we are called to be ambassadors for who? 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are called to be what? Ambassadors for Christ. Not ambassadors for a political party. Not ambassadors for a movement or agenda or some kind of hashtag. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. That's what we're called to do. And if you don't like that or like that we address that, um, my personal email is jasoncollins <laughs> at crossroadsrowlhead.org. No, I'm just kidding. Number next, real quick, number next for time's sake. Take advantage of God's common grace. So in the Bible, it talks about special grace or salvation grace. That's the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Um, his payment on the cross that through repentance and faith, Casey was talking about, we must know the Lord. So through repentance and faith, we surrender Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. He places his Holy Spirit in us. That's saving grace. But there's also a common grace that's available for everyone, whether you're a believer or not. Listen to this. Psalm 145.9 says this. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. Now listen, salvation is only for those who are believers. But there's a goodness of God that everyone enjoys. Think about this. When it rains, it doesn't just rain on Christians. It rains on everyone. Oxygen is not just for those who are Christians. We all get to enjoy oxygen. So there's another part of common grace that I think as Christians we need to be open to, and it's okay. And that's God's common grace of Christian counselors. And God's common grace of ministries. And God's common grace of even doctors and medicine. Meaning this, a lot of times we think the solution for mental health or emotional health or clinical depression or clinical anxiety is to read our Bible more and pray more. Listen, is reading the Bible more and praying more always the answer? Yes. But God can also use other things. For example, if I was to break my hand, not that I would ever do that. Yes, wait, wait, you wait. totally did. Don't be putting my business in the streets. So girl. when Harper yeah. was... A week old, this yeah. genius decided to go play church softball. Because church softball is very important. Would you agree with it? 
No. No, right. Yeah. Um, and he was playing in the outfield, and a ball got hit to the outfield, and he thought he was like King Griffey Jr. or something, and like <laughs> dove for the ball and broke his hand, like bone out of the skin broke his hand. I was at home with our baby, um, but my mom called from the field, which I knew was not a good thing because it was in the middle of the time of the game, so it's like, you know, this is not, she's not just calling me for fun in the middle of the game. Um, so he broke his hand and went to the hospital, got medicine, got surgery. But I wouldn't have looked at Shane and just said, hey, buddy, let's just pray. And your hand is going, now God could do that. Yeah. But he didn't. Mm -hmm. And so we went and got surgery and got medicine. No one would look at Shane and say, you're not having enough faith. You're not praying enough. You're not trusting God enough because we went and got hand surgery. But sometimes in the church, we can view um, those who need counseling or need medicine as somehow weak or they're not trusting God enough. I just want to encourage you who may do those things. Shane and I are both currently seeing counselors. A couple of our kids go to counseling. I've had seasons where I have been on anxiety medicine. I just want to encourage you. You are not weak if you are using those things. If God is allowing healing in your life through those things. Sometimes we need those things. And I just, I hate sometimes within the church that we will question someone's faith if they need to go to counseling or need medicine for a season. So I just want to encourage you, um, if you need those things, God is still good in the midst of those things, that God is using those in your life in a really special way. If you need those things and haven't started those things, I want to encourage you in that. It does not make you weak or mean you have any lack of faith. It means that God's using that and could use that in your life to bring really special healing. Absolutely. And if God brings that healing, he still gets the glory. And this is such a great and helpful church where you go, well, I don't really know where to go because let's be honest, you can go to a bad counselor, right? That makes things worse or a bad doctor. So you go, where, where's the proper way? This church has done such a great job of vetting and can help you in that direction. So see the leaders here at the, at the church. And, and the Christian comedian Tim Hawkins said, you know what, I got tired of drinking and cussing and fighting, so I, I had to quit my church league softball team. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a bad joke. <laughs> and then number last, real quick, number last in, in ways to be proactive is uh, we're going to circle back to where we started. Remember we started with how big God is? He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-loving. He's everywhere. Is remember... That's the God who is holding you. And when our son Elliot, uh, who's now seven, when he was about 18 months to two years old, he would always walk up to us, hold his hands, and go, I hold you. I hold you. And what he meant is for us to hold him. Because I'm like, bro, you're 18 months old. You can't hold anybody. But in his head, in his mind, he's like, I hold you. Like he was holding us. I think a lot of times we think we're holding up God. And so, therefore, we think we can let God down. And maybe that's where you are. Go, I've really struggled in this area, and I feel like I've let God down. Can I give you good news? Um, you can't let God down because you're not the one holding him up anyway. He holds you. You don't hold him. He holds you. And he can handle it. Whatever you're going through, he can handle it. And remember, God's all-knowing. So when you're struggling, you may can fake out everyone else you may can fake out others in church or others in your small group or other friends you may can fake out everybody but you can't fake out the all-knowing God so you might as well just be honest with him through the journey of really 
Titus over the last 10 years, and really he's been struggling and suffering really bad the last nine months, and then hospice for 10 days, and then since then, people will say, Shane, how are y'all doing? And, and I don't even say, oh, we're taking it a day at a time. I'll say, we're taking it an hour at a time. We're taking it a moment at a time. Um, a pastor friend of mine said it like this, you know, when you're going through grief, it starts out with really difficult days with a few good moments. And then over time, it turns out to good days with a few difficult moments. And you got to take that journey. And so through that, I'll just be honest, especially me, my, my emotions have been all over the place. I'm not an emotional, sensitive person. Um, but my emotions have been all over the place where there's moments where there's extreme joy, extreme peace. And then the next moment, there may be extreme sadness. In the next moment, extreme anger. In the next moment, extreme doubt and confusion. But you know what's been constant through it all? The presence of the Lord. I, I told somebody this just after the first service. I can't think of a time in my life where it's like ever since 21, that's whenever I got saved. You know, I've, I've known the Lord is with me and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and God's all around me. And there's times that I felt his presence. There'll be times that I don't, my feelings don't feel his presence, but I know he is with me. But for the last like two months, there's been this constant, heavy presence of the Lord all around us. And I can't think of a time in my life where I have felt seven days a week, 24 hours a day, this heavy presence of the Lord. And I think it's just a reminder of God's like, I'm with you. Peace, I'm with you. Joy, I'm with you. When you're faithless, I'm faithful and with you. When you're angry, I'm with you. When you're heartbroken and sad, I'm with you. When you're confused, I'm with you. And I think sometimes we feel in our worry and our fear, we feel like we're holding on for dear life. You ever feel that way? You're holding on for dear life? Listen, friends, you're not having to hold on for dear life. Because dear life is holding on to you. And I think a lot of times we have this kind of cultural cliche. And that cultural cliche is this. And you could probably fill in the blank. It's okay to not be what? Okay. And that's true. But that's a starting point. The gospel goes past that. See, it's okay to not be okay. But it ain't okay to stay that way. When there's another way. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God who is everywhere. And he is holding you. So you don't have to be in control because you're not. Remember the old bumper sticker? God is my co-pilot? No, he ain't. <laughs> He's the pilot. He's the plane. He's the seats, he's the fuel, and by faith, we're along for the ride. It's not your job to be in control. It's just your job to trust the one who is in and know that he is holding you, and he is with you, and he loves you, and he is for you, and he has not forgotten you. So, Casey, can we just spend some time praying for our friends? Yeah. If we could all just close our eyes. I know in a room with this many people in it, there's someone who struggles like me with fear um, or worry or maybe going through hard things. If that's you, will you just raise your hand so we can be praying for you? There's hands all over this room. Um, 
The Bible says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of a power and love and sound judgment. And that's what he wants for us. Um, he desires for us to be free from the fear and the worry. Um, there's, I have this book that a friend of mine gave me as Titus went home to be with Jesus. And there's a prayer in it that I want to pray over us. It says, Lord, when the way is dark, we ask, we plead, we beg for more light. We shrink back from the path so dimly lit. We would rather trust our eyes than your hand. When a life storm has left our way treacherous, we need you to guide us through. The light may be comforting, but our vision is limited. Your vision, Lord, is not. You see the end from the beginning, the present and light of the future, the past and perspective of a bigger picture. We are bound by time and space, by pain and fear, and hopes and dreams, and joys and sorrows. But what we can see and taste and touch and feel, release us. Touch us with your spirit. May the rainbow colors of your grace to us not be lost in our fear of the dark. And let us not so desire the brilliance of the sun that we miss the glow of your candles. I love the verse that says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's what God wants for us, freedom from our fear and our worry. But the only way we can have that is if we actually know Jesus. So, Lord, this morning, I just pray that if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, God, that they would um, lay their life down before you this morning. God, that you can bring freedom and peace to them. And, God, I just pray that you would break chains and strongholds of worry and fear and anxiety. God, it's not what you want for us. You desire us to have peace and joy and hope regardless of our circumstances. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would meet every single person in their chair right now. God, that your spirit would minister to them um, in whatever way that's needed. I'm going to ask, as we continue, just the spirit of, of prayer and awe and reverence of the Lord, would you just stand up? And we're going to just worship one more time. And we're just going to worship the Lord who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, who's everywhere. He's with us. And so I'm going to ask you to do this as a sign of surrender. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just lift up both your hands. I'm going to ask everyone to do that. Just put both your hands up. Now, if you're like me and you have a Baptist background, you might feel like you're pulling something because you're not used to having your hands up in church. But really, this is not just a sign of worship. It's also a sign of surrender. And maybe today, as we sing unto the Lord, there will be a moment of surrender for us where we surrender fear to Him, surrender worry to Him. Because at the end of the day, we're surrendering control to him. And as we surrender, I pray in those moments, we would receive the truth of who he is. And that we'd receive his comfort, his peace, his joy, because we're trusting him and not in ourselves. God, would you do that in this time?